Welcome back, everybody, to the Nosebleed Sports Podcast. I am Chris Witt, and with me, as always, is Mr. Adam Schmidt. Adam, how are you, sir? Very, very well. How are you? I am absolutely wonderful. And with us today is the man, the myth, the legend, the only man that's ever been caught behind the dugout smoking heaters with Coach Thompson. (laughs) The bullpen catcher of the for the ages for the Elder Panthers, Mr. Adam Baum. How are you, sir? Thank you. Thank you for that rousing introduction. I appreciate it. So what is that is the best the- thing on your resume? Is that your favorite thing I should yeah. say on your resume? It's probably honestly, I, I think it's my favorite because um, you know, Coach Thompson's been there a, a really long time, and he said, "I'm the only person who's ever asked to do that." So it's like, you know, I've got I've got another prestigious first at Elder High School, and you know, the, the bullpen catching one's cool because it's like, um, you know, I I knew I wasn't good enough to be on the team, but that was like my way of contributing somehow to the game. It was like, I'm going to warm up these pitchers, and I'm going to do it as best as I can. So. It, I have a lot of fond memories from that time. It, it's pretty cool that, that it worked out the way that it did. When did you graduate, Adam? 2006. Oh, so you just, you know, well, you wouldn't have. Yeah, well, you might have been. Were you the bullpen catcher your junior year? Yeah, I got a state ring. So nice. You got a ring. Yes, nice. sir. <laughs> go, way to go. And it says, it says bullpen catcher on it, too. That's the best part. <laughs> oh, that is so I feel like that's the best job. That's it's like backup quarterback in the NFL. Like you, you get to be on top of all the action, be part of it and not have any of the pressure of performing. <laughs> exactly. I couldn't agree more. And like the, the cool thing about baseball was like, I got to be like licensed to be an idiot in the dugout, like during <laughs> games, which, which was a ton of fun because baseball is cool. Like that, where like the, the stuff that you say and do the other team is right there. Like they can hear it. They, they, they're a part of it as well. So it's like you get to impact the game in some small way, but it was fun. So my, so you would have played uh, out at Hilly field. One of my favorite memories of Hilly field. One of the, speaking of being fun, being goofy and, and doing crazy stuff. There was a, there was a guy that played ball for elder when uh, way, you know, years before you, a few years before you, when I was there, Kenny Mark, Mark Keeney was an infielder. And before games, every single game before games, they'd be taking ground balls and he'd be at second base throwing back towards the opposing team's dugout. And he would purposely let one just fly way off target and hit the net and the fence right in front of their dugout just to put <laughs> everybody up a little bit. Pause <laughs> the tower a little bit, make sure they're awake over there. Exactly, exactly. exactly. Right. I, so I'm a, I'm a, Big elder baseball fan went to tons of games with my dad over the years. And, uh, but, and so big fan of coach Thompson because he's a legend. He's had so many great elder baseball teams, but that man scares me to death. Is he really, is he really that scary all the time? I mean, he seems like he's mad all the time and he's a big guy and he's got the deep gravelly voice and he's got the, he's got the little rough thing. He's smoking cigarettes behind the dugout in between innings and stuff. Is he really like that intimidating? In a game setting? Yeah, for sure. Um, Once you get to know him away from the baseball field though, he's, 
he's a lot different than than that kind of persona that he puts on. But that that's who he is. I mean, and baseball is such a big part of his life. Like, you know, he, this is a guy who played um, he, a legendary coach at West High. I'm spacing on his name, but uh, oh, coach, he just uh, yeah. Betterly, maybe. No, no, he, that was the old elder baseball coach before Thompson. <laughs> I thought, yeah, I thought this, he was at West Side, too. Maybe not. It's going to bother me. But um, I, in a go- I play in a golf league with him and up until just two years ago. He was like 88 years old or something, still playing in this golf league. I can't think of his name. Don, that, Don Zimmer? <laughs> no, but that, that I mean, that that was the same. Like, he he played for a guy who was just like that. And, you know, a lot of times, like – he wouldn't even have to say anything and you, you would know that he was pissed off, man. He, he just carries this presence to him out there on the baseball field. And honestly, I have to, I have to think that that that's a big reason why he's had a lot of the success that he's had is because like he, he does rule with an iron fist, man, either you do what he wants you to do or you're not going to do anything at all. So it's, and, you know, I think like if you find a way to adhere to that and, and to give him max effort and, and give him what he wants, what he's, what, what he expects of you, like you kind of endear yourself to him forever in that regard. Like, you know, I, I could call Tom, coach Thompson at any time we could talk about anything. It's just, uh, that's the type of guy he is too, you know? That's very cool. Yeah. He was, I, so many times I've seen him and so he's coaching third and so if, if you get thrown, you know, if you take a third strike or you get thrown out on the base path or something like that for a dumb mistake, he's not going to scream at you from third base in the middle of an inning if it's not over. But he's got that, he's got that, you know, like staring at you and he's like oh, <laughs> grumbling, cussing under his breath and he's like yep. shaking his head. I'm like, oh my gosh, I could never, I couldn't handle that, I think. Yeah, he, you, the, my favorite was when someone missed a sign. Oh, <laughs> If he, he so it, it happens on whether you're in the box and you're hitting or whether you're out in the field, he would have verbal signs from the dugout when you're on defense. So if he said something with his voice, you know, something generic, I'm not, I know he still uses some of those same call outs, so I can't repeat them now. <laughs> no, but you know, if he said something, he's calling a play with that sentence that he says. And if you don't hear him or you don't, or you don't execute it, that's a, a great way to get your ass ripped there, man. Um, yeah, not shy away from that at all. I have some, some of my fondest memories were baseball tryouts and baseball conditioning at Elder. I tried out. I, I, I went all four years, even though I knew I wasn't going to make it junior and senior year. I absolutely loved playing for that guy. He was – I had fun. I thought he was fun. But he was definitely scary as all get out. He took it serious. He still yeah. does. Um, and you know, it's been a while since I've gotten on the uh, the OESA record book website, but I'm pretty sure you know he's. I, I want to say he's like top ten all time in wins in the state of Ohio. Like, and he continues to climb. Um. So he's going to go down as one of the best high school baseball coaches in the history of the state, which is pretty crazy to think about. No doubt. All right. Well, enough about elder, elder baseball. Uh, I want to, we obviously got you on here because we want to talk Xavier basketball, right? You're the beat writer for the Xavier Musketeers. 
but we are elder graduates. You're an elder graduate. Something big is going on in elder right now. And this team, uh, uh, led by Michael Keehan and, and, and David Larkins and Scott Neiman, all these kids are just playing out of their mind. This might be the best all-around shooting team I've ever seen at elder. Adam, you would probably know best because you've seen every single elder basketball team since you were four. But in your take as a former high school beat reporter, this team can shoot. Yeah. You know, when you told me that you wanted to talk about this tonight, I I went online and I started looking up their stats because I was curious, you know, like I've seen them play a couple of times on the Internet this year. Haven't seen them play in person, but. I was shocked at, number one, how many guys that they play consistently, like how many guys that they use that have played in all 22 games this year. Um, and then, like like you said, dude, they got four guys that, that can knock down shots on the perimeter at a really high rate. Um, I, I didn't realize that they, number one, that they had that much depth, and number two, that, that, they, that they had that much shooting. Um, I think that the, you look at the way this elder team is built, and, um, you know, they aren't the biggest team. Like They got some big dudes, but they certainly aren't the most athletic team. But it's a, it's a classic elder story, man. You guys know the tale. It's as old as time. Um, they, they just go about it the right way. They, they do the little things that they need to do. And that stuff has a positive impact on the result, on the end result in games. And that's why we're going to see him play. I think uh, Xenia, is that right? They got Xenia in the district or the. Centerville. 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 Yeah. I think it might be at Xenia. That it's might in be. Princeton. Princeton? Princeton? Yeah. Yeah. Man, I'm excited. It's been a while too, you know. And, yeah. and for, and to beat LaSalle, to beat another GCL team, to win the district championship, to, to get to the regional tournament. And then if they beat Centerville, they play the winner of X and Moeller, which is probably going to be, which is definitely going to be one of the best games probably all year in the state. Um, so they get to, they get, they get past Centerville. They get to get uh, one of those two teams, which they split with both teams this year. So awesome. yeah, very exciting. And that Mo- that Moeller team is that Moeller team. What's that kid? McKay or McCat McCat. I can't Mahavey? think of the kid. Mahavey. 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 Yeah. It's Jamie Mahavey's son, I think. It is. Yeah. It is. Really? Yeah. Yep. There you go. Well, that might be. I'm, I'm pretty sure he's uh, – I think he's got offers from X and UC. I could be wrong about that, but um, he's he's garnering a lot of interest. I know that with, with what he can do. And, you know, you look at that whole Molar roster, and it's like their, their whole starting five is going to be playing – I mean, maybe not all D1, but, like, the vast majority of them are going to be playing division one basketball. I don't know that elder has a guy on the roster that's going to be playing division one basketball. So they got division one, but it's in football. football. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Larkins. Yeah. 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 I, what, what Kramer's built there, I feel like, and you can probably, and you can speak to this uh, better than I can probably because you saw it for several years covering, you know, the high school sports is once you, once a program. And I, I think that that's happened now with elder football too. Once you get a couple of guys that go major division one, that gets a lot of attention on that program and more guys in the future from then on get more attention from division one programs. And I feel like that's happening with Moeller basketball. The, the last few years they've had guys go division one and they've even got somebody in the NBA now. And uh, they've got uh, what's his name at West Virginia now. Who's, who's might be a, uh, an NBA. Deuce. 
Yeah. And, uh, and so they're, so I feel like they're top two or three guys every year, almost no matter what, how they are, are probably going to get some division one attention, maybe major division one. Cause Logan Duncombe's going to, uh, Indiana. And then, like you said, Mahaffey and, um, one other kid, Alex Williams, I think he's, he's got some offers. I think he's committed to Furman. Maybe that might be, that might be right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, I don't know. I feel, I feel like once you get that, you know, like elder son, if you get kids to Ohio state, Notre Dame, and I feel like every year they get more attention for their best kids than at least from what I used to remember, I feel like elders, best players would, you know, go play yeah, we, division two football or something like that. And or, now their best play, players are playing major division one or actually at least getting scholarships there. Yeah. And you know, I like that you may, you may see that and, and, and not think that, Oh, it's not that big, but it's like to these young high school kids who want to go and do that. That's a huge thing for them that, that like, Hey, I want to go somewhere where I know that they can produce guys that that are going places where I want to go um and Mulder basketball has certainly done that dude especially recently that's why it's kind of like a revolving door of talent there right now like guys guys see the success that their predecessors had and they think you know what this is a program that can produce guys and take them to that next level that's where I want to be so I, I think you're right on the money man yep uh good for them I'm sorry that they're Season's going to come to an end on Saturday, but uh, well, <laughs> that's too bad. That's the way it goes. So, Chris, I'm going to let you uh, take over so we can get into Xavier basketball here. Well, uh, all right. We'll start off. Uh, so, I was on flipping around the old tweet box. Uh, I'm, in, I'm in Columbus today. I talked to Adam yesterday. We'll start off with this. I talked to you yesterday uh, about coming on. You said you might be playing some golf. You inspired me to go out and catch nine holes this afternoon. So my question to you is, did you end up playing? I did. I did. So the, the original plan was to get um, me, Byron, and Joe, Xavier's radio guys, and then Andy McWilliams. And we, we have a, a regular foursome. We play quite a bit. And unfortunately, Byron and Joe had some, some work stuff. You know, I don't know that people fully realize – that they both have full-time jobs in addition to calling Xavier games. So they had to cancel kind of last minute. So me and Andy Mack played just us too. We went out here to Newman, played nine holes. Um, I love playing with Andy because every shot he takes, no matter if it's good or if it's bad, he immediately drops down another ball and takes another cut at it. <laughs> <laughs> every shot is a double shot, which, uh, you know, I, if you're if you're the group behind us, you're probably pretty pissed off. But to be with him in the same cart, it's uh, it's quite a treat, man. But this was my first round of the year, the the new season. I got two birdies on a card, so I feel like that's uh, that bodes well for the rest of the year, man. So, you know, things are pointing up. So where, where do you get out and play, Chris? Uh, I'm in Columbus uh, tonight, so I was in a, a little a little place called uh, the golf course at Dublin uh, up in okay. Dublin. Uh, so it's, it's a links course wide open, perfect for first round of the year, no trees, no nothing, huge fairways, really neat course. Uh, 
44. So, you know, for the first round of the year, first yeah. nine, not too bad, not too shabby. What'd you, no, what'd you I, shoot? With two birdies, shot, what was that, 38? I shot a 39. I, so I had, I had two bad holes. Um, I had, for the most part, my ball striking was on point all day. I struck it really well. I had one bad, I had one bad hole. Like I, you know, my thing is I give away a lot of dumb strokes around the green. And I knew that my first couple rounds of the year, the thing that I have to worry about is my chipping. You know, that's, I, I haven't been practicing it. I haven't been thinking about it all winter. And today it bit me on one hole in particular. I hung a triple bogey on one hole. So, um, yeah, and those are going to happen. You know, you got to power through them. You can't let them ruin your round. And I'm pleased to say that on hole number nine today out here on Newman Red, I, I birdied that sucker. So it's like, you know, I'm going to carry that into my next round. That that's the way to do it. That's the way to do yeah. it. Newman Red. So I, that's where we play. That's my golf league is at Newman, switching up every week. What night? Uh, Thursday. Okay. I'm in a, a Miami Whitewater League on Wednesdays. There you go. I'm going to tell you, though, when you play golf, until you get into a league, you don't realize what that around the green stuff is all about. Because you dump one, you're like, ah, bring that thing back here. And you yep. go again. I purposely now will keep the driver in the bag, hit an iron, just so I don't have to hit any soft chips around the green because I'm so terrible around the green. I'd rather take a full swing in at it. Area, yeah, and that's a like the the quarter swings, the the half swings. Like I, I am no good at those, man. I'm the same way. It's like give me a full swing at something, or else it's going to be bad, probably. So exactly, exactly right. So name dropping right off the bat, name dropping right <laughs> off. The bat. Some of as, as for a guy like me who has been a Xavier Musketeer fan since literally the day I was born. Uh, I the, the, to get to play a round of golf with Byron Larkin would be that would be unbelievable. So you also though Andy Mack, when Andy Mack lost his job, I was in like seventh grade, and me and my dad started a website. Bring back Andy Mack. We got a ton right. of uh, we were on the news. We got a ton of uh, ton of signatures. Took it up to seven hundred or, or Clear Channel or whatever, trying to get in. We wanted Andy back, man. We love Andy Mack. He you know what I call? You know what I call Andy is I, I call him the encyclopedia. So, no doubt. I you know I knew Andy Mack. I knew his name. Uh, I obviously I had heard some of his more famous radio calls over the years. And when I got this promotion to cover Xavier, um, one of the cool things I found out I didn't expect this at the time, but you know, they, they let me come to practices and I get to watch practice. And so the first few practices I'm sitting there, I'm kind of, you know, I'm all by myself. I don't really know anyone. Um, you know, Shannon Russell at the time still covered the team for the athletics. She was there. So, you know, I get to talk to her, but I remember uh, the first day that someone introduced me to Andy Mack and he sat down right next to me. And this was the very first time we had ever met. And he proceeded to talk my ear off for about 90 minutes of practice. And it was all, <laughs> it was all Xavier basketball history. And it was like, he was picking games from 30 years ago. And he was like relaying vivid details from each one of those games. 
And I was, I walked away from that practice and I was like, I mean, this dude just told me more stuff about Xavier basketball than I'll probably ever learn doing this job regularly. And, you know, he's been a really valuable friend to me. Like, uh, you know, whenever Andy calls me, I know it's going to be like a 15 or a 20 minute conversation, but I'm probably going to come out of it learning something that I didn't know when the, before he called. So um, he, he's a good dude. And the other thing is like, he's a grinder on the golf course, man. Like uh, I got a lot of friends that play golf. No one calls me and asks me to play golf more than Andy Mack does. <laughs> he loves it. He's got, he's got a new hip. Um, he's yep. feeling good. And he, he hits it well too. You know, the other thing is like, Every once in a while when I play with them, you know, I like to I like to challenge myself a little bit, you know, so I, I like to play from the back tees. But sometimes I will go up and I'll play with him on the forward tees. And the thing that I like about that is normally I don't even keep a score when I do that. But it's kind of like you're playing the golf course, a different golf course, because, you know, you have different yardages into the greens, So you're hitting different clubs into the greens. And it's like it kind of changes the course a little bit. So it's a little bit fun to play with him, but he's a treat, man. Yes, he is. One of the greatest guys. Uh, been able to talk to him quite a few times, and he is a phenomenal human being. That being said, let's go ahead and let, let's jump into let's jump into the Xavier team. What, what, what do we got to do here? Uh, is a win against Butler tomorrow enough by itself? Or do they, are they going to have to pull an upset off Creighton uh, the week the on Thursday? Well, I think one of the things that that is in Xavier's favor right now is that a lot of bracketologists still have them in the field right now today, even after losses to Georgetown and Marquette. So I didn't expect that. I thought that you lose to Georgetown, you lose to Marquette, you're probably going to be out of the NCAA tournament field. It seems like. At least, like more than half of the brackets on bracket matrix have Xavier still in the field. So I think beating Butler and losing to Creighton, I think there is still a chance that Xavier makes the NCAA tournament. I think that they need a little bit of help on the bubble, though. They can't have too many bids get stolen from some of these mid-major conferences and things like that. Um, now, the the thing is, like, you beat Butler, you lose to Creighton. And no matter what, like, it's going to be a nerve-wracking couple of days until Sunday. Like, yeah. uh, th that's why I think you beat Creighton. You find a way to beat Creighton, and you eliminate some of those nerves. You know, you, you feel a lot better about your situation. But I, I do think, you know, one and one this week at the Big East Tournament, there is a chance that, that they still, you know, can still get in. But you lose – Butler tomorrow night, and that, that's all she wrote, man. No, there's no doubt. So, watching – you get to talk to, to Coach Steele and some of the players uh, during your guys' Zoom interviews and things like that. As a, as a fan who has watched Xavier for a long time, this team, the ball seems – they move the ball, but it seems like they just move it slow. When they start making crisp passes and penetrate the lane – they go on incredible runs, but they get in these laws where they just kind of pass the ball slowly around the perimeter. Has there been any talk of what's what's the what are the good and the bad that Steele's been talking about that he wants this team to do in order to get back to their old self from the beginning of the year? Well, I think to your point, 
especially in these last two games, the, the situation that you just described has been how they started the game. And, you know, this team, like, they aren't built to play from behind like that. So I think, if anything, he wants that offense to come out of the gate strong and sharp and, hey, move the ball crisp, like you said, and work for good shots. They haven't done that the last two games. And you try to play from behind and turn your offense on at halftime, and that's not going to get it done. You know, you, you need your offense to be there for 40 minutes in these games the same way that you need your defense there for 40 minutes in these games. And and honestly, a lot of it is – I think it, it, a part of it is the inconsistency with Paul Scruggs and Zach Fremantle. I think that there's a way too often where if those guys are indecisive or those guys aren't executing and moving the ball and working for good shots, then no one else is doing that. So it's like – this team is going to be at its best when Zach Fremantle and Paul Scruggs are playing to their potential like that, where they're doing those little things and they're getting everyone involved and they're not stagnant on offense. Um, Because as we saw these last two games, man, like they've been downright ugly in the first half offensively and it's, it's led to two losses. So it's like that to me is the biggest thing I'm looking for on Wednesday night is how they start this game offensively. I don't think, you, you don't want to let Butler hang around in this game, man. You don't, you certainly don't want to let them get off to the good start either. The close games that Xavier was winning in the beginning of the season were games that they started off up 10, 12, 13 points at some time. The other team made that run to get back at them. And you're right. That is a totally different team than what's been going on the last few games where they just get behind right out of the gate and can't do anything. And it seems like they're getting it, 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 that, Fremantle and Scruggs are consistently in foul trouble. I mean, the, not just them. It's the, the, a lot of who was it the other day with four fouls? Was it Carter had four fouls in the first half? I mean, yep. it's the depth that we were all so excited about at the beginning of the year. I mean, obviously, you lose Nate Johnson, you, um, you lose uh, uh, ben, ben Stanley, you lose these you know, guys that can be key players. And that kills a little bit of your your depth, but you got guys like Kiki Tandy, and I know I talk about this. I've talked about it all three times you've been on. Sometimes he gets out in front of himself last night or the other day, last game they played. He gets in the game, gets a fast break, and runs faster than the ball, trips over himself. But he has been playing pretty well when he gets in. He's been playing better, but he seems to be non-existent in the second half still. Is this a practice deal, or is this – what why uh, – What's up with – I don't know how to even explain it. How come How come more guys aren't getting playing time? Yeah, I mean, the thing is, is like when you ask about this, when, when you ask Travis Steele about this, it's generally the same answer. It's, you know, the, the playing time is earned in practice. It's kind of this coach speak. Right. Answer. Yeah. The, the reality is like – I'm, I'm not a high-level basketball coach. You know, Travis Steele has forgotten more about basketball than I'll ever know about it. But I think that they created a scenario with Kiki where, where he's afraid to make a mistake. Because you, you look at how they've played him this year and the way that they've used him, and it's been like, all right, Kiki, we're going to put you in. And then as soon as you make a mistake, we're going to pull you right back out. And I think that that has gotten into his head a little bit 
And yeah, he's he's fought through it. The way he played against Georgetown was really good. He didn't get a chance in the second half against Marquette. But it's like there have been times this year where I've thought to myself, he looks like he's a guy who's playing to mess up as opposed to just go out there and let the game happen. If you screw up, you screw up. Um, but that would be one of my bigger knocks against Travis Steele this year is the fact that, you know, you have this talented guy who can change the dynamic of your team in a matter of seconds with the way that he can get hot and shoot the ball. And he, he doesn't look confident to me. He doesn't look like the Kiki that we saw last year as a freshman or that we saw earlier this year against Toledo when he had 24 points. Like, um, and that's where I feel like, they've probably done a little bit of a disservice to him in the way he's been managed this year. But, um, you know, the way that Steele talks about him, like I also wouldn't be shocked to see Kiki have an impact this week at, at MSG. So that, and, yeah, that's the kind of year it's been, man. And if you still look at his numbers <laughs> per game off the bench for, you know, for, uh, for bench players is still real high in the big East. He's like, he's still got some good numbers for the little low minutes that he's getting to play. But to me, he's that kind of guy who he needs to be out there and be free. That's the way he plays. He needs to be free to make some mistakes and take some bad shots because some of those bad shots are going to go in and that's going to light a fire under that kid. And he can score 12 points in 30 seconds, just like that. Anyway, let's talk about Steele because this dude, I, I just want to say, I like Travis Steele. I don't think anybody on Twitter has any idea about how to substitute people in and out of a college basketball game. I don't think anybody on Twitter has any idea what it's like to try to coach these kids at this high of a level, anything like this. I don't know how you do it, brother. I don't know how you deal with, I, if I send a tweet, I don't send a tweet out. I send like three tweets out a year. You're sending like three, t three tweets an hour. You got comments galore. I shoot down in those little comments every once in a while. No, don't and do dude, it. <laughs> you know, I'm like, oh my god, these people, these people are ridiculous. They're crazy. And you know, th this is where I kind of land on this whole thing. It's like I understand the expectations. I understand that that Xavier fans have become accustomed to a certain way of living, a certain lifestyle when it comes to to winning and success, and I can appreciate the fact that, that that they want that every year, year in and year out. Like, I think the fact that the fan base feels that way is a reflection of how the program ultimately feels in terms of what they want to be and how, how they want to play. But I also think that a large percentage of them have forgotten how hard it is. Um, a lot of them have been, been spoiled over the years by the success that Xavier has had. And I think that they, they look at a, a new coach who's in his third year who hasn't really been able to find any sort of consistent success, certainly not any realistic postseason success. And I think that there's this impulse to just pull the ripcord and say, you know what, this isn't working. And I talked to someone earlier tonight and I was like, this is my third year covering Xavier for the Enquirer. So my first year was Travis Steele's first year. If they, if I only had three years to figure out how to do this job perfectly or, or to the best of my ability, I'd already be doing something else. Be, like, I don't know, like where along the lines people started thinking that, 
oh, that that this is so easy that he should already have this figured out and he should already have, you know, three NCAA tournament teams and a sweet 16. And, you know, it's like, to me, a lot of the expectations are a little bit unrealistic. And to your point about Twitter, I, I want to have a conversation with Travis Steele about that, just about like how he's dealing with it. Cause I've sort of asked him about it before. And he says like, Oh, I don't pay attention to the noise. I don't see any of that, but it's like people are tagging me in tweets with Travis Steele after games, just completely shitting on him. Yeah. Like if you don't see that, congratulations, man, you're one of the few people <laughs> who have figured out how to completely ignore that, that noise. Um, but it's like on the other side of it, Travis Steele has had to deal with people doubting him from the jump from year one. He's had people who thought that he can't do this job. And you know what? Maybe, maybe he doesn't get it together. Maybe he gets a a year or two more and he still doesn't get it figured out. And, and that's the end of it. And you know what? That's a realistic possibility, but if he gets through this and he figures out how to, how to, get a team, how to maximize the potential of his teams and maybe go on a run, maybe win a win or compete for a Big East championship, make a NCAA tournament run. Like Xavier's going to have a really tough coach, a coach who had to, to sort of weather this storm from the very beginning of his career. I mean, I, I don't, I don't remember what it was like when Mac took over or Sean Miller took over, but like to have people doubting you immediately, telling you that you can't do this thing. Like I, I, it's either something that's going to break you or it's going to make you unbreakable. It's one or the other, you know what it I was, mean? It was different back then because you didn't hear it. Yeah. Like they hear it right with Twitter and all that stuff. So, so back in the day, like when Mac got brought in, there were some, there were people, there was rumbles about people not exactly sure how he worked with the Xavier way. Right. And and there was thoughts of it. He turns out to be probably the best coach that Xavier's had, you know, or taking them for has taken them further when it comes to uh, as, as good of a team as we've ever had. That being said, Xavier fans don't realize that we were in the MCC. We were in the A-10 winning every single year because we were in a mid-major, whether we wanted to be called a mid-major or didn't want to be called a mid-major. We were in a mid-major and we won like crazy. We finally got to go into the Big East, and you got to realize that it ain't it ain't all sugar plums and fairies or whatever they say, you know. When you get there, it ain't. We're not beating up on Temple every year. We're not beating up on Rhode Island every year. You know, Lamar Odom only comes around once once every forty years for a team like Rhode Island, so you don't have to worry about that kind of stuff in the A10. Whereas now we're in the Big East. We used to get on. It was UC and Xavier the same way. UC and Xavier, Conference USA, A-10, did nothing but win. Yep. Big East comes around. UC struggled in the Big East. Xavier's going to struggle in the Big East. It's going to happen. Yeah, and, and you know, I. that's a great point. Like, Travis Steele is the first coach in Xavier history who had to start his career on a high major conference. Exactly. Like, uh, you know, the Big East is just every single team has like top 50 recruits on it. I mean, Villanova has like a starting five of five star recruits like and, and it's like that every single year. So to me, I, th- I personally feel like 
as painful as it might be, maybe a little bit of patience is the answer with dealing with this. And because I think if you rush it right now and you say, you know what, he's not the guy, let's get him out. Let's bring someone new in. You've essentially given Colby Jones, Dwan Odom, CJ Wilcher, Zach Fremantle. You've given them the opportunity to leave. Now you've said, okay, we're going to, we're going to make a coaching change. And you know about coaching changes in 2021 is it's a, it's a free role for anyone currently on the team. Just pick wherever they want to go to next because it's a coaching change. So I, that, and that's the run, the risk that you run if you pull the ripcord too soon in this situation. But um, you know, I don't think that they're going to have to worry about it this year. I, I don't feel like he's coaching for his job at this moment. Um, now that's like a, a good result this week could go a long way towards uh, changing the sentiment around Travis Steele, but I think he's going to get another year at least to, to sort of see what he can do um, with developing some of those young guys. Man, there's a learning curve that's involved in this. He just didn't have the ability to set his learning curve in the A-10. He yeah, has to do his learning curve in the Big East against Villanova and Providence and Seton Hall. That- I remember I remember when Sean, Sean Miller's first year, I felt like he looked like a deer in the headlights a lot of times. I felt <clears> like he was he didn't look ready for for even that job before they before they were in the Big East. And by the end of the second year, I'd say he, he started looking a lot different. And then after that, he, he was, he became a really good coach. But I, I remember specifically thinking that about Sean Miller, like this guy was not, this guy was just not ready. And I, I don't necessarily feel that way about Travis Steele, but kind of going back to what you guys were talking about, it's, you know, it takes more than just a year to get, especially at this level to, to get everything, all your ducks in a row and, and, get your culture set and your, and, and then with the, with the revolving door kind of that they've had with guys missing for COVID and, you know, getting yeah. hurt and leaving and that kind of thing, that certainly does not help. Um, so I, you know, I feel like every coach should get a pass this year, no matter how poor they do, but um, so hopefully, hopefully he, I mean, even, I don't I, even Doherty's <laughs> listing the next coaches in his most recent. Article. I saw that. Like, oh my gosh, Doc, take it easy, man. Jumping the gun here a little bit. <laughs> was Kelsey, but, uh, Kelsey on the list? Yes. He He's got to be number one. He's got to be number one. I'm, I'm uh, rooting for it, man. I'm, I'm telling I, you, I want to see Winthrop win a couple of games. We don't have to get into Winthrop, but. You know when, you know so when Pat Kelsey was a coach that I had a tryout with Pat Kelsey when he, when he first started coaching. At Elder, right? I, at Elder. He was the freshman basketball coach at Elder my freshman year. <laughs> I used to year. go um, – I forget the name of him. Um, his, his basketball camps that he used to have. Um, he used to have these Pat Kelsey summer skills camps things, and I, I used to go to them. So uh, – you know, I'd, I'd have to bring that up to him at some point. I've interviewed him once um, for a story that I did on the, the 93 elder basketball team that won state. But uh, my who favorite was the basketball team of all time, by the way. Who was the best interview? Who was the best person interviewing that? Um, that that's, a, that's a tough question. Like, Pat Kelsey was awesome to talk to. He had, he had a lot of cool things to say. But it was also cool talking to Dave Ginn. Um, because Dave is like, 
I don't think he could care less about the spotlight at all. And like, he's not, he's not about pomp and circumstance. Like you remember that dude, like he was a beast and, <laughs> and, you know, like interviewing him, like about those days, it was just, it was fun to hear all that stuff come out of his mouth about what he remembered and some of, some of those memories. So I, I'd, I'd have to go with him, honestly. I will, the, my childhood, my, the only thing I remember from my childhood and going to elder basketball games with Adam and his dad were, was Dave Ginn dunking and the ball would bounce off his head every time he'd dunk it and it would come through the basket and hit off his head and go flying. And I thought that was the coolest thing in the world. (laughs) Whatever. 10 years old. That's cool. I love that team. And then he was my next door. He was my father-in-law's next door neighbor. And my dog got in his yard and told me he was going to shoot my dog if he comes over in the yard. (laughs) (laughs) You know what else was crazy about that team was uh, the run that Johnny Miller went on. His his son is on the current elder team. I think his name's JT Miller, right? Um, Dude, he, I think he averaged like 25 points per game in the playoffs on that run to state that year. He was my wow. favorite player. I had so we had like, you know, we had like sleepovers when we were kids for our birthdays and stuff and we had our our buddies over and we had I don't know if you guys ever did this or if it was a little before your time or whatever, but we did puffy paint shirts. Did you guys ever see those or do those? So it was like this it was the, these little like tubes of paint and you yeah, could, he does he's too young to remember the puffy paint. <laughs> but you could like make your own shirts or whatever and like with this paint and it would stay and you could wash them and stuff and so i i my i forget what it was probably my it must have been that year so i was like 11 or something my birthday party we all did made our own shirts and i made a johnny miller a john miller shirt <laughs> like a jersey shirt when i was uh when i was that age for my shirt so wore that thing proudly didn't you and i i actually wore it to i can't believe i was like comfortable enough to do that because i'm embarrassed about everything now but i wore it to basketball camp to elder basketball camp that next summer and coach Schoenfeld loved it (laughs) he told me about they called him prime time His, his nickname was prime time when he was in school and that was so cool and he oh my gosh that was just stud, stud stud softball player for a while too Oh really? He was uh, such an ath- all state all state wide receiver. By the way, he was wow. a he's that dude was on. He's still right now could walk out on a softball field and hit the ball wherever he wanted anytime. The dude dude was. A star. I've had I've had a few beers with him. You know, it it wasn't. It was probably like uh, a couple years ago. It was the last time I got to really hang out with him and see him, but. He's a good dude, man. Him, him and Johnny Lammers used to run. Uh, him and Johnny Lammers ran Del High Park Softball League for a while. Softball. And uh, Johnny Lammers, my mom and dad's next door neighbor. So we used to go over. He, he, yeah, yeah, get to hang out with him every once in a while. It's uh, that's a good dude. Chad Camstrow was on that team. One of the yep. great, the greatest scores in elder history. Uh, Wit, Coach Wit, Coach Wit, Coach Wit. Coach Witt, biggest um, transfer ever in a uh, DIBL uh, coaches or teachers versus kids. Biggest tryout ever in that game. Yes, sir. Did you guys have that? Did the winner of the of the intramurals play the teachers? Yes. Uh, All right. So Coach Witt threw up like seventeen bricks my senior year. 
<laughs> and we gave him four times the hell about. <laughs> he had an off day, huh? You know, it doesn't happen often. But yeah, I think I think his boy might might be on elder. He's team. a sophomore. Yeah, he's, he's a sophomore. sophomore. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. All right. I only I have one question about um about X and then and then I'm good. Um you, you kind of so we kind of mentioned a bunch of guys. Is there a player, is there a guy that needs to play, needs to have his best game for this or his best two games, maybe for this team to beat to to at least beat Butler and maybe Creighton? I mean, is there a besides Paul Scruggs or Zach Fremantle? Is there a, you know, is it CJ Wilshire? Is it is it is it Odom? Is it Jones? Um, or is it Jason Carter? Is there one guy that you feel like if he has a great game, they win two games? Or if he has a great tournament, I should say they win two games. To me, I think as as crazy as it is to pick a freshman, I think it's Dwan Odom. Um, and the reason that I say that is because what he brings with his ability to defend, take care of the basketball, and the way that he can put pressure on the rim. Um, now, part of me feels like, yeah, they need a guy like Adam Kunkel or someone to hit some shots on the perimeter to knock in some threes. Like, that's going to be huge for this team. I think a lot of the games that they've struggled in this year, they've struggled to find someone who can knock down shots who's not named Nate Johnson. Now they don't have Nate Johnson. So, like, I'd also be tempted to say Adam Kunkel because I think he can have a huge impact on the offense. Um, same with Kiki Tandy. But, like, to me, Dwan Odom, like, he has the ability to control the game because he he either has the ball in his hands a lot or he's defending the guy with the ball in his hands a lot. And I, I thought – I went back and I watched Xavier beat Creighton because I was just kind of curious, like, hey, what really worked in that game? And the one thing I kept noticing was like Dwan Odom's fingerprints were all over that game. He, he defended at a high level the entire time he was in there. He was able to get into the teeth of the defense and score around the basket. He even knocked down a few big shots on the perimeter. But like, I think that's such a common theme with this team is like when he brings it and he plays really well, it generally has a good impact on the rest of the team. And, um, you know, realistically, you could probably pick any of the three freshmen because I think that they're all three going to be starting again in this game. But uh, but to me, I just think Tuan Odom's like his motor, his athleticism. He he has like an ability to take over a game, and it doesn't necessarily have a ton to do with scoring a basketball. So I think that's going to be huge this week for him. Kind of reminds you of a young Paul Scruggs, right? Uh, yeah. didn't always didn't always have his 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 fingerprint on the score on the scoreboard side when it came to points but when Xavier played well his sophomore junior year he was usually had you know six seven assists a couple steals you know and played well on defense so I, I agree with you I like I like that thought um, I think that Duano kid's gonna be a stud he's gonna be fun so, I can't wait to get dumped over somebody <laughs> it's gonna happen <laughs> So what kind of so say they if they beat Butler, lose to Creighton, and get in the tournament, what kind of seed are you looking at? Do you think probably a twelve would be my guess? Um, yeah, eleven or twelve. I think right now, like 
the nice thing about bracket matrix is it, it, it pulls in about like, a, I think there's 120 different bracketologists on there right now. And what it does is it shows you each bracket and where they have. So the, the, the seed that Xavier is currently at on bracket matrix, they're, they're a 12 seed and they're literally the last team, the last at large team in the field. So, you know, you beat Butler, you lose to Creighton. Yeah, you probably need one or two more things to go your way on the bubble to, to make you feel good about it or to get you there. But they're probably going to be on that 12 line if that happens. If they if they beat Creighton, um, you know, I think that you could make an argument there. They're maybe they're an 11, probably a 10 at best. Um, but, yeah, at that point, you know, you beat Creighton and who knows? You need to win two more and you win the whole thing and maybe jump up to a nine seed or something like that. But – a 12 seed's pretty good for making a run in the NCAA tournament. Sure. It's uh and this team is this team could lose in the I mean, this is the biggest up and down team that yeah, you're they're hard play. to predict. Yeah. But but right. not impossible if they play great, if 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 they turn a corner and play great and and they get past Creighton and Villanova just lost Gillespie and just lost the butler, I think, uh in the last couple of games. I mean, not impossible, right? Sure. No. Definitely. All right. So, um, Adam, we've kept you forever here, bub. We do a Mount Rushmore every week. Adam, I'm excited about this. I did some research. I was going to say, you can choose the pass if you want to go. All right. So, Adam's Mount Rushmore for this week is the Mount Rushmore. Huh? Is Adam Schmidt going first or am I? You're going first. You're going first. I'm just saying he's the one who picked it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And it's it's, uh, actors and actresses. Actors and actresses. Mount Rushmore of actors and actresses. What do you got? And and this is just just to be clear, this is your Mount Rushmore. It doesn't necessarily – you don't have to give us reasons why, uh, you know, they are the best. Don't give me Daniel Day-Lewis or any kind of goofball (laughs) stuff like that. No, no. No, Dan, you know what Daniel Day-Lewis is? He's low-hanging fruit, man. Yes. He's easy answer. And I'll tell you this. My Mount Rushmore, the only criteria is that you were in a bunch of movies that I really loved. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's pretty simple for me from that perspective. And, and I tried to be fair. Um, you know, when I started thinking about this initially, it was like, um, you know, I kind of picked like, uh, you know, people, people that upon, like, I really go back through their catalog and I'd say, you know what, like, that was a great movie. Maybe they were in one other one that I really liked, but what I settled on was number one, my pinnacle is Tom Hanks. And, and the reason for that is I could name probably 10 to 15 movies of his that I like still love to this day. If they're on TV um, I'm going to watch them, you know, like if you go back through and look at Tom Hanks's films, it's ridiculous how many unbelievable movies that dude has been in. Um, no so doubt. there's one. Number two is my boy, my main man, Denzel Washington. <laughs> okay. I love Denzel. Number three is a bit of a wild card and it's, it's uh, it's Robin Williams. Mm. <laughs> I love mm. it. 
I'm big this on is, Robin Williams. This is uh this is this is very reminiscent of what my page looks like. So really? <laughs> I like it. Love Mrs. Well, I, I have a feeling that my fourth is gonna be one that probably neither of you pick. Um, and it's Francis McDormand. Do you know who that is? I do not. Maybe if I saw right. it's a woman. Um her. You've seen Fargo? Yes. I never did. She's the she's the the main character. Yep. 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 Um, she's the sheriff or the cop or whatever. Yeah, she's actually married to a Cohen brother. And I love the Cohen brothers. And she's in a lot of Cohen brothers movies. Like she is probably gonna win an Oscar this year for this new movie that just came out called Nomad Land. Um, that's getting a lot of praise. But she's like the, the other thing that I really like about actors and actresses that, that make them stand out to me is when they can do a variety of things, like when they can be serious, when they can be funny. And like all four of the people that I just picked can can kind of do all those things. So that's one of the things I really respect and look for in, in, in that category. But I'm curious to see what you guys came up with. First of all, do you have any honorable mentions? Were there any like on the on the edge that you're Oh, like- yeah. Kevin Costner was on the edge. Um, Harrison Ford, I like his stuff. Ooh, yeah, very nice. Very nice. Um, all right, all right. I like, I like it. I, th- I feel like that is a superb list, mostly because I've got a couple of them and a couple that were well. One of them was on my almost list. So I'll go next. So I went, I went uh, Will Smith because. Will Smith is that's that's who I I wanted to be growing up, just in general. Uh, Tom Hanks, obviously, for all the same reasons you said. Denzel Washington because best looking dude in the history of anything, and of course, one of my favorite lines: "Close your eyes and it's Halle Berry." Wait, is Halle Berry the one? Ali Berry is the last yeah. Now, honorable mention. See, now if I did a, <clears throat> if I did like what I was originally thinking, I went Polly Shore, Jim Carrey, Adam Sandler, and Robin Williams. Okay. Uh, I figure Polly Shore <clears throat> probably probably wouldn't probably wouldn't make the cut for most people. But however, if you go back and look at some early Polly Shore movies, every one of them were good. Encino Man. Biodome, my favorite movie ever. Not not favorite movie ever, but one of my favorite movies ever. Uh, you had uh, Jury Duty. You remember Jury Duty? Oh my god, it was hilarious. So anyway, I think the dude's that's a dark horse pick. I, I like that though. I love Polly Shore. That's my guy. Okay, for You're me, up. number one is Tom Hanks. There's no not not number two. He's the actor. Easy. Uh, a pretty clear number two for me is Gene Wilder. I love oh, Gene Wilder. Nice. Um, that was your dad, though. Your dad was a big Gene Wilder fan. He likes Gene Wilder. But yeah, I, I, Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory, Adam. Uh, it's, that's one of the up, movies. I'm yeah. sorry, go ahead. No, when we grew up, that was what we watched. We went over to the Schmidt's house, and you watched Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory. That's just what you did. That was the go-to. You go, go to, to Adam. You go to thirty-nine-year-old Adam Schmidt's house, and it's on TV. It's on TV. It's, it's that's what's on. Uh, <laughs> uh, so that 
Young Frankenstein, uh, the movies he did with Richard Pryor, he's everything he done he did was good. I had Will Smith on mine as well. Um, I almost everything he's been in that I've seen has been fantastic. I nice to hear that one from you. And I, I didn't think yeah. you have him. Oh, love Will Smith, and uh, and, and honestly, Fresh Prince plays into it too. I mean, they're because because no he and my fourth one is going to be the same way. I loved the movies that he was in, but also one of my favorite television shows. He was one of the main characters in that too. And I think that counts because that's still an actor, not necessarily yeah. movie stuff. But so my fourth one, I'm putting Michael J. Fox. You might laugh at that. Because <laughs> I, I loved all the Back to the Futures. I was a huge Teen that's Wolf fan. I don't know if you ever saw Teen Wolf, Adam, but <laughs> yes, it's, it's like a terrible 80s movie, but I grew up on it and loved it. Shoot it, fat boy. (laughs) Uh, I I had greatest line ever. I had Kevin Costner, Will Ferrell, Morgan Freeman, and Paul Rubens, which you guys might think I'm crazy, but I was a huge Pee Wee Herman fan. I I know that's a that's an off the wall one. On screen, off screen, uh, whatever, whatever you like. I got something for you guys. You guys both picked Will Smith, and I heard something interesting not too long ago. I heard that. Will Smith turned down the part of Neo in the Matrix to be in Wild Wild West. Did you guys know this? Holy cow, really? Can you you picture Will Smith as Neo in the Matrix? Like that would have been like Keanu Reeves ended up being pretty sweet. But Will Smith in the Matrix, man, that would have been awesome. Yeah, but there's nobody else that could have did Wild Wild West. You're very, that's a, that's a good point. Yeah. There is no one else that move that Jim West was made. That, that <laughs> character was built around Will Smith. No, those were some, those were some good picks, gentlemen. I like it. I like it. Right. Well, we'll definitely let you know next time you come on, maybe we'll get a postseason report from you. Yeah, and, for sure. And, and let you know what we got coming up then. Um, this is now, well, the yeah, uh, this is now the headquarters of the Tom Hanks fan club, by the way. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Or maybe we'll we'll reconvene when Elder wins the the state championship here in a few weeks. Yes, sir. We'll talk like Tom it. Hanks and Elder basketball. Yeah, we'll see if we can get coach. We we'll get Coach Witt on here. I could easily do an hour just solely about my favorite Tom Hanks movies. Oh. I mean, right now they're just spinning through my head. I mean, yeah. I, oh, you know. You know what's great the, the, is my original favorite movie when I was a little kid was Big. I love that. Big. I was yeah, love Big. Good. And the, the best thing, the best part about that movie is, is you can still watch it today and it holds up. Like a lot of his movies are like that. <laughs> yeah. See, Ryan. Oh, classic. How about, how about Philadelphia with both he and Denzel? Yeah. Best of both worlds right there. Absolutely. Good work, Adam Schmidt. Good work on you. <laughs> I, the, the cool thing is, there, I don't know why, but there are still, I don't really watch a lot of movies, but everything I've ever seen Tom Hanks in, I've been like, this guy's incredible. He can do everything. And also by everybody's, by everybody's words in Hollywood, like one of the nicest, most down to earth guys too. Like he seems and sounds like he's a really cool guy, just a regular guy. Um, so that's, you know, that helps too, but there are a lot of Tom Hanks movies I still have not seen. So I feel like I still have like this thing to look forward to. Like I'm, I'm going to see them. And, but just for some reason, I, <laughs> there's still some that I haven't seen. So I got to get on that after yeah. basketball season. Here's one. If you haven't seen, you should put it at the top of your list. The terminal. 
Steve. Okay, I have not. Okay. You know, basically, long story short, Tom Hanks plays a foreigner who doesn't speak any English. He comes to America while he's in the in the airplane. He's from a country called Krakosia. While he's in the airplane coming to America, a coup overthrows the government in his country. And so when he lands, he doesn't have a, a passport anymore from a, a, an actual country that can allow him. So he has to live in this airport terminal for a really long time. And it's just like he learns how to speak English. It's a great story, man. Wow. Cool. Yeah. Right. It sounds really cool. I'm totally and good for that. Steven right. Spielberg directed it. It's a great movie. Anytime that 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 Tom Hanks gets to do a voice, I'm 100 percent in. Like uh, Forrest Gump, something like that. If I yep. get if I get a foreigner voice out of Tom Hanks, I love it. Uh, a huge underrated classic by that man. One of my favorite Christmas movies of all time, and I can't even think of the name of it. It's the cartoon, The Train. What's it called? The uh, Polar, oh, Express. Polar Express. Oh, yeah, oh, Polar God. Express. Excellent. Unbelievable. He plays like six yeah. people in that thing. <laughs> He's a generational talent. And oddly enough, almost a year ago to the day, I was sitting in Madison Square Garden watching Xavier lose to DePaul when we found out that Tom Hanks had contracted the, the Rona. That's right. Same day, <laughs> same day that Rudy Gobert touched all the microphones. That's right. Yeah. How'd that work out? And either yesterday or the day before, I think, uh, one of the last couple of days was the anniversary of the Burbs. The movie The Burbs, you, yeah, you guys remember that one? That was, I, I mean, he was pretty young then, but um, very young. The Burbs, there you go. All right, Adam, we've kept you way too long, brother. We still got a comedy segment we're gonna do. We watch a comedy segment every week, and you don't have to listen to all that stuff. We gotta let you get out of here, dude. It's it's past your bedtime <laughs> now, it is right. <laughs> Right now we've, we're approaching bedtime status now. I appreciate you guys having me on as always, man. Hey man, we appreciate it too. Thanks for everything you do for us, buddy. We really appreciate it. And uh, uh, good luck with, with writing and hopefully you get to go see some actual games and get to go do something here. Yeah, that'd be good. And hey, we'll, we'll have to get out and play golf at some point. 100%. You let me know. I got a pretty flexible job and uh, I, I, get out anytime especially if you're over on the west side you know i can get over to newman in about 10 minutes i believe it i believe it we'll make it happen sounds good brother Thanks, all right adam. boys have a good night man See you, man. adam baum everybody once again that dude gives us so much of his time he went over an hour we went over an hour with that <laughs> i know i know man and, and, and he's so nice he's not not one time that i feel like he's trying to get off either you know like no get, get no he even did research for our mount rushmore <laughs> i know how cool is that more than more likely research more than research, i did <laughs> i was just gonna say more than likely more research than i did more than likely that's so cool yeah we definitely always appreciate adam uh coming on so chris we got to jump into uh we don't want to get too late for us either um, so we're going to, we're going to get into, uh, uh, Eric Myers. Uh, we, I think we both just found out about this guy and, and got a chance to watch him before that. Uh, I have a quick, quick story for you. So it's been really nice here where we live in Cincinnati for the last couple of days. And so very exciting when it starts to warm up like this and, and you know, you start feeling spring coming, it's just such a good feeling and the sun comes out and it gets to be 60 degrees and you're like, Oh my God, I feel good. So I 
made sure the last couple of days to log off work, no matter what was going on, made sure to log off by, you know, five or five 30. So I can get out and take a walk. My big old fat gut from eating cheeseburgers and ice cream all day, every day for the last year is, is, has really taken a toll. So I'm like, I got to start exercising again. And I, I, I never thought of walking as exercise before. Now I'm 39 and I do because I'm way out of shape and I'm feeling every single little step. So had to get out and enjoy the weather, get some exercise, get a nice long walk in. I start walking today, feeling good. I think I'm feeling good. A couple blocks away from home, still early on in the walk, walking up the street and I'm, I'm, I'm approaching where I'm walking in front of this like apartment building, right? It's sitting up on a little hill, but it's, it's not, it's, it's far enough away, but it's not too far away. And I can tell, tell that there are a couple people sitting right outside the front door, just sitting on chairs, enjoying the outside. Um, and, and the first thing I notice is a, is sort of an elderly lady sitting there. Um, and, and then I kind of notice somebody sitting with her and I'm like, okay, it's kind of a, maybe a younger guy or whatever. And I notice that they're listening to music. And as I'm walking sort of in front of getting closer and walking past the, and in front of the, the apartment building, I realize they're listening to rap. They're listening to like some serious rap music. And this, you know, it's this, it's this 80 year old lady and this guy. It looks like maybe her grandson or something. Who knows? Maybe their neighbor's there or something. But so I'm like, that seems kind of strange that they're listening to music just because of the older lady and stuff. And uh, so I'm like, okay, whatever. So I'm walking past, I'm walking right in front of the, the place and I hear, hi. I'm like, and I look up and I look at the lady and I realize... <laughs> that's the guy that said that right so i'm like okay you know what being friendly being nice or whatever hey how's it going <laughs> and then it was and then made me feel real special made me feel like hey i still got it because he's like i ain't seen you around here and he does this little move where he like he like does something like, like pushes his hair up, doesn't have long hair, but like acts like he does, or he like strokes the back of his hair or something like that. And he does like this neck thing and, and rolls his shoulders. And I'm like, hold on, <laughs> hold on. I'm like, for, you know, part of me's like, Hey, yeah, big guy still got it. That's right. That's right. You got, like, it. you got it. I got my Kevin Durant shorts on. I got my, you know, I got my, uh, my, my Oak Hills basketball hoodie and everything from coaching. And I'm like, yeah, I, all right. All right. I'm feeling good. I, I, I got you. I feel you. And the other half is like, is this guy putting on a show for this lady being funny? Or is this guy a cartoon character of a man who loves a man? And, and this is the man I'm the man that he loves. Um, and I, I'm pretty sure it was the second one. <laughs> <laughs> and uh so i i was caught off guard like the very first thing when he said hi i look up i'm like people outside enjoying the weather too you know we're technically neighbors i live a few blocks over but we're all in the same neighborhood and i'm like okay hey how's it going and uh yeah i, I think he had other things on, on, on his mind um I that wanted is... to have a further conversation because then I, 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 so I, my reaction to that, when he said that to me was, 
nervous laughter, uh, probably pick up the pace a little bit and look at, look straight ahead. You didn't say anything back. No, no, right away. I was kind of mad at myself because I'm like, well, I, he's either way. It doesn't matter. He's being friendly to me. And he's saying, you know, he's, he's, you know, saying, Hey, Hey, looking swell old fella. And, and you got cat called, dude. You got, I got, cat- I got cat called and, and, uh, I was like, yeah, yeah, thank you. And, <laughs> I, but but I froze because it caught me off guard, and so I wish I had said, "Oh, thanks" or something like that. At least you gotta uh, you gotta say you gotta say thirty thirty six thirty seven years. <laughs> what? Didn't he ask how long you've been? Yeah, I ain't see- oh, he oh, said no, no. yeah, it no, said something said. like uh, I ain't seen you around or something like that. And then he 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 kept talking to me, and I didn't. I just kept walking, and he said something about being cute or something like that. I heard that word, and then I'm like, okay. And then I, all these things going through my mind. I'm like, okay, well, I, okay. Now I think I, I'm getting the picture of what's going on here, and, oh, yeah. and I don't know what to say. So I'm oh boy, oh boy, wanted to play swords. <laughs> <laughs> well i you know wanted to have a sword fight with you yeah well i'm keeping mine in the sheath so um I, it's uh but it was you know i i, I called called a couple friends like hey i still got it buddy i, I i'm looking good today I, I can tell you that right now and, uh, <laughs> uh and it was just uh it was a fun time it was a fun time the rest i'm 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 walking with my chest out the rest of the the rest of the time, like that's right, fellas, feast your eyes. Or <laughs> uh, so anyway, girls hate it so much. Girls, girls talk about how they can't stand it. Look, look what it did to your confidence. I'll tell you what, I was riding high for a little while there. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Uh, so anyway, I just wanted to share that fun story with you. I, you know, saw all kinds of saw all kinds of crazy things today on the walk, but that was uh, that was a special Good moment for, you. for me. You gonna walk that way ever again? Um, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to decide. So I, I, I was trying to decide the whole time you know, whether to come back that street or not. I've been switching up my routes, but the last two days I have walked up that street. So he didn't see me yesterday, but I was there. And, uh, and uh, as a matter of fact, I walked up and back that street. I think yesterday I walked up that street and came back a different way today. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I'm gonna. I'm not sure what I'm going to do. I guess, I guess it depends on how my day goes before I go for my walk. If I need a little confidence boost, I might go down that street. Yeah, right. If you need to, uh, you know, Hey, once again, I believe I used this line earlier today. Close your eyes and it's Halle Berry. <laughs> That's right. That's what that meant. Okay. I threw me <laughs> off the first time, but now, now I got what you're saying. Okay. Yep. Um, there you go. All right. That was just, <laughs> I just, hey, congratulations to you, bud. I'm happy for you. Thanks. All right. Um, another guy who, uh, unfortunately I, I hate to do a transition like this, but lost his life apparently recently, uh, by walking, uh, down the street, but it was, I think from walking, uh, maybe intoxicated or, or on some drugs or something, uh, in the middle of the highway. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and got hit and killed. Unfortunately is our comedy, uh, comedian this week eric myers uh and we watched his he's got a he has a couple of albums out i guess and you can find those on youtube and this uh this special it was the live one right at the laugh factory that you watched okay that was yeah. the one i watched too. yeah because i started to go into there's another one that's a little couple years newer than that 
This was in 16. Looked like the other one was in 18, but I'm glad we did this one because we'll talk about it. Well, I, I watched both and I was, I thought about it, but there were, he, he had a lot of jokes. He had a lot of the same jokes. So most of oh, did. So yeah, so we were good. Um, so anyway, uh, Eric Myers, uh, if you look for it on YouTube, it's Eric Myers live. Just go to that one. It's got the big laugh factory, uh, sign in the back. Chris, what'd you think about Eric Myers? Oh man. So I wasn't sure what to think. I thought this guy was going to be, uh, kind of a goofball and he was a goofball and I thought he was going to be a little over the top and he was over the top. Um, just some, I've got some notes. I, I said, I wasn't going to write anything down unless I laughed. I got a lot of stuff here. Uh, so <laughs> one of my, one of my, one of my favorite ones was uh, one of the first ones where he, he was at a Catholic, um, he was at a Catholic AA meeting and <laughs> They broke out some wine at the end of the AA meeting. And he was like, uh, looked at his sponsor and said, oh, I feel like something's not right here. Don't worry. Once they bless it, it becomes the blood of Christ. <laughs> he goes, who, you think they can bless this bag of cocaine? No, officer. This is the dandruff of the Lord. <laughs> I was cracking up. Oh, and then he was talking about, once again, because he's sober at the time, talking about how he said, he said, I don't care if you're drinking alcohol around me. I don't interact with your cup. <laughs> he said, he's talking about people who smoke weed around him and how they just, you know, take a big inhale, blow it right in his face. Is this bothering you? No, I'm hiring a kite right now. <laughs> and he said something, does this bother you? The guy's drinking a Corona. <laughs> He's drinking a Corona. Does this bother you? And he spits all over him. That was pretty funny. <laughs> uh, oh, man. Uh, oh, Tinder. The Tinder thing. He's talking to this. Is, must have been when Tinder was f- fresh out because he said, he said he doesn't like, he doesn't understand tw- Tinder. He goes, especially the girls that have one picture. <laughs> one picture. Five girls. Four of them are supermodels. And one of them is a girl in the corner eating <laughs> eating a stick of butter <laughs> so i didn't know what to say to her so i said hey do you enjoy butter <laughs> oh my gosh that was funny um uh, he did a good job of bringing uh windishins back around <laughs> he did a good job of that um uh oh he was talking about he was talking about, I don't know if it was, if it was dirty movies or what, but he said, is that Jennifer Lawrence or Dingleberry Larry? <laughs> no, that was the, that was the, the, he was talking about homeless people and how they can be sitting they, he doesn't know if they're putting on an act or not, because they'll be talking to themselves like a schizophrenic and then just clear as day. I want to know if you got a couple of Marlboros and $3. He said, he said. How am I supposed to know? Is this is that Jennifer Lawrence or Dingleberry Larry? <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. So I wrote something else down I can't understand. I had three numbers written down. Part of the way through this, I said, man, I really like this. And I wrote 4.2. And then three quarters of the way through it, I scratched it out and wrote 4.4. And at the end, I scratched it out and wrote 4.6. This was hilarious now you've got to be able to take this kind of comedy 
All right. This ain't for everybody. There's a lot of cussing, a lot of dirty stuff. I loved every second of it. He is so over the top. He made things. His voice is perfect for the way he delivers the jokes. 4.6. That's what I'm going with. Okay. Um, I, I, I'm right there with you. I, <clears throat> when, he, when he first started, the first 10 seconds, I'm like, oh, come on. Is he going to be, is, uh, do I have to listen to this voice? And is he going to be like, he moved his whole body with every word he said at first. And I'm like, this guy is, this guy is on an, an, an extreme amount of cocaine right now as he's doing this. <laughs> but I mean, it looked like he was like a, a crazy, like, like a homeless drug addict. Like you would see on the street going nuts. He kind of looked like that at first to me. He seemed like he was acting like that and his voice is insane. And I'm like, I don't know if I can stand this whole thing. And it didn't take very long, just a couple minutes. And I started laughing and then it got better and better and better. And be this guy, I am so sad that I, it, it, this is the first time I know about this guy. I wish I had known about him for years because he was apparently doing comedy for a long time. And this guy is so funny. So, so funny. Um, <clears throat> I, I wrote down, so he talked about staying in really cheap hotels and saying uh, they, they want to charge his credit card uh, $65, $65. Uh, and, and he's like, what do you need to charge him $65 for? Well, in case you damage the room, in case you trash the room, we charge your card $65. And he's like, so it only costs $65 to trash the room? So I'm going to throw the TV out the window. <laughs> you said that's the cheapest thing you can do in Vegas. <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah. Um, uh, his whole bit about, uh, about uh, eating, using Turkey as uh, a natural remedy for anxiety. He had anxiety and he can't, they can't give him pills anymore because he, he'll abuse them. And so they had to, they told him to use a natural remedy and they talked about tryptophan and he's talking about having to carry around Turkey with him all the time. That part was really funny. Um, let's see. Uh, I wrote down, I wrote down a bunch of stuff. <laughs> uh, so you're talking about uh, all the Tinder thing. Another thing about Tinder was, um, do you like to, yes, he's asking a girl, do you like to, uh, have you ever had sex on an air mattress? And she's like, she's like, I am not, or what did she say? Uh, oh, he's like, he's like, I sleep cause I, I sleep on or no, hold on. Nah, I already messed it up. Anyway, she's like, I am not having sex with you. And he's like, He's like, you still bring well, at least the we at least dropped the air mattress off because I sleep on the floor. <laughs> I totally messed that up. That was That's one of okay. my favorite jokes. Um, he he said uh, also my favorite ones. He was talking about when he first started out in comedy. He uh, he went to like an open mic night or something, and he had two pieces of paper with him because they didn't have cell phones back then. So he had his jokes, a list of jokes written down on one piece. And he had the directions to get to the comedy club on the other piece of paper. And he went up on stage and he said, he couldn't remember his joke. So he said, who here has ever, and he took the piece of paper out of his pocket and opened it up and said, taking a left at the light. <laughs> <laughs> that 
That was funny. He had a bunch of stuff about jobs he's done, the whole Taco Bell stuff. Taco Bell was good. The Uber, the star ratings for the passengers on yes. Uber was good. That was all. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. The, talking about, he's talking about, uh, you know, being on pills and stuff. And uh, <laughs> he said something like, uh, oh, he was talking about how easy it is to get like the marijuana, uh, medical marijuana or whatever. He's like, he's like, my back hurts. Do you have anything that makes goblins come out of the dishwasher or something like that? <laughs> that was so good. This guy, this guy had some really, really, really funny jokes. Oh, I wrote he was down. Cracking me up. So you ended up at four point six, right? Yep. I wrote down four point five. I had 4.5 written down. So we were right there. One of the best, one of the best specials that we have watched, in my opinion. I wish this dude was still alive because I know last week I was talking about how bad I would feel if I had to say he sucked after he (laughs) died. But this guy was hilarious. Really, really good. Really good. Um, All right. So we have. All right. So. Well, we're going to switch it again, and I'm going to go with the comedy comedy this week, and you'll do a Mount Rushmore this week, and then because you already have a comedy that's going to line up with next week. So yeah, I'm going to do something here that um, I've been wanting to do for a while. It's going to be another a little bit older one, but as a matter of fact, sorry, let me... Uh, so I, I have the comedian that I want to do because I've been thinking about this guy for a while. And this is a guy that <clears throat> comedians talk about with a lot of reverence. Um, and he's not, but he's not one of the guys that you really think about. I'm trying to make sure I find his newest one. I'm just going to go with this one. So uh, Bill Hicks, Bill Hicks. If you, if you hear Joe Rogan and, and, a lot of comedians who have been in the game for a long time uh, talk about this guy as one of the best. He died uh, pretty young, um, so it's he, he's been dead for a while now, but um, he apparently was one of the best. And I have not watched much Bill Hicks at all, so I've heard about him for a long time. Just haven't made myself sit down and watch a Bill Hicks special. So that is what uh, I want to do one of those. And look, he, he's been gone for a while, so... Uh, it's going to be an older one. So I'm going to, I'm going to go with, if I can get my, so let's go with Bill Hicks relentless. This is from 92. It's on Netflix. All right. Oh, it's on Netflix on Netflix. Yeah. His, he's got three specials and a documentary about Bill Hicks on Netflix. So, um, yeah, I mean, he, he's, yeah. He's got one from 89, 91, and 92 on there. So let's do the newest one, even though it's a <laughs> million good. years old. Um, so let's oh, do that one. I remember this Check guy. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So we're going Bill Hicks Relentless yeah. for next week. And you have take a look around the room and see if you can find it. Uh, already got it. already got it. Yeah. Mount Rushmore of Jordans. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Jordan shoes. 
Yes, George. If you're listening and you don't know, if you if you're listening to this, I'm sure you know what what we mean when you say Jordans. Um, I mean, I have my easy number one um, already in my head, but <clears throat> this is going to be fun because I'm going to go back because I, 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 I like every week I got them cycling through already, but I'm, I know I'm not thinking about one that's that I know I'm going to pick or I need to or I'm going to have to heavily weigh. This is going to be fun. Can only pick four. I love it. Let's do it. All right. That sounds good. <clears throat> All right. So. On that note, we are an hour and a half in. We got Bill Hicks Relentless. We have, I just realized that I should probably be a little more quiet because I am in a hotel room, um, okay. which would make Adam furious if he was here with me. And I was talking you as You weren't screaming, so. <laughs> That's true. That's true. It was a terrible day. Last time I, Adam was in a hotel room with me was Ohio State Xavier. Oh, bad day. Anyway, hey, speaking of Red Spring training, we're going to have Bobby Nightingale on here soon. Yes, perfect. We're have Good. Bobby Nightingale on here soon. Good. Get Bobby on here. We'll get some Red Spring training talk. Uh, are they in? They're not. Are they in Arizona or are they doing everything from home too? I think they're in there. I'm pretty positive they're in Arizona. Yeah, because yeah. he's done a couple uh, podcasts, I believe, from there. Has it? Cool. All right. So there you go. So uh, hopefully we get him on shortly. We've got Bill Hicks, Relentless, Mount Rushmore of Jordans. Until then, brother, good luck with you. Hey, no, you know what? Good on you, on, on you feeling good about yourself now. I'm happy that you're feeling good about the way you look. You're not worried about, about uh, the COVID-19 that you put on. And, uh, and, 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 and you got some eyes looking your way. So. COVID-19, COVID meaning the 19 pounds that I've added yeah, in the last year. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. On that note, don't forget to turn your headlights on.